Welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. My name is Eli, and I'm joined with my co-host here, Kyle Nelson. And we're Good morning. Bring you an amazing episode today. Beautiful day in Central Oregon, about 48 degrees this morning. So Clear nice. for the first time for a while. It's like 102 degrees a few days ago. Yeah, and then drops to 48. So super, super lucky to have weird. that. Um, aside from that, we are very excited for this podcast. Very. We've got Chico State alumni on the show, which like we us. are also Chico State alumni. And an incredible company called Sendoso. Entrepreneurs. The, yep, entrepreneurs, co-founders of Sendoso. We're going to be talking about a topic here today that we talk about a lot. We're also on shows that we are get interviewed on this question is the power of a co-founder. Mm. The power of two. It's really exciting because we preach it all the time, but mm-hmm. every so often we actually get to talk to other co-founders, um, especially like these two individuals who've, yep. who've done it in there. They're grinding hard. They've mm-hmm. gotten amazing funding with their company. They've done great, great yes. things. And I'm sure they've got it greater uh, futures, but it's really exciting to hopefully learn Absolutely. a little bit about how how they co-found together mm-hmm. and co-find, co-found their company together. Yeah, yeah, yeah co-founding together yeah. and, and yeah. kind of see how we do things. And, you know, we're both in different chapters of our businesses. Yeah. It should be a really cool conversation. Absolutely. Without further ado, Braden, Chris, welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, well, thanks. For, I I was I really like that intro music. I need I need that before I join phone calls. You know, yeah. <laughs> right before a client call, just kind of kind of throwing yeah. these on. Kind of like here comes Braden. Yeah, here yeah. he comes. <laughs> Standing at six foot two. <laughs> oh man, yeah, this little board here. We kind of we have a lot of fun. Yeah, that little soundboard's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a sweet one. So, well, thanks guys again for joining the show. Super excited to have you guys here. I think um, to kick it off. Uh, let's learn a little bit more about each of you individually, kind of the, the people that you guys are, um, maybe dive a little bit into each of you guys' backgrounds and we'll jump into the topic. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Cool. Uh, so I'm Chris Rudigrop, the CEO and co-founder of Sendoso. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in Northern California, a town called uh, Sebastopol. So not oh, wow. too far from Chico. Yeah, actually I was born in Santa Rosa. So, uh, there we go. Right. Um, and, uh, Went to college, Chico State University, majored in business marketing, and then um, <clears throat> shortly after moved to San Francisco, lived in in Bay Area now for about 12 years. Nice. Nice, nice man. Right on. And then I'm Braden. I, I'm actually born and raised Chico, so I uh, wanted to keep Chico in the names. So did like Chico you know, Elementary, Chico Junior, Chico High, Chico wow. State. And so it was a big deal when I left. You know, left okay. left Chico, moved to San Francisco, uh, have, was in the city for a good 10 years, and then moved out to uh, Marin where I am now. I'm actually, mm-hmm. I'm, only, I'm only a couple blocks from Chris, so we, you know, we're buddies in college, and we say buddies throughout San Francisco. Now I just look at this house like, on the other hill. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So diving into your guys' background, did you guys meet at Chico State? Or we did. Meet? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's actually a pretty good story. <laughs> so uh, we, we met in college. Chris was building a startup at Chico. Uh, what was the name of the startup? Chris? It was called All Student Rentals. Well, it was actually called All Chico Rentals first. And then we wanted to expand to other universities and launched all student rentals. And it was a website where you could find housing right next to college campuses, find roommates, and then pay your rent online. And then I ran like a VC club on campus. So I, we invested in Chris's company. And so like, a, I think it was like a big wow. check of like $25,000 or maybe it was $5,000. It was a pretty small check. It was, no, it, was uh, it was 25 grand, which was a grand. Lot. Yeah. And then we, we raised another yeah. uh, 25 grand from some others, which at the time 50 grand felt like 
you know, 50 million. <laughs> right, that's awesome. Yeah. So we met in college that way. And then we, uh, and then we both, I think this stayed buddies from out there. And then he moved to the city before me. And then I came a year after him and slept on this couch for, I think it was a couple of weeks, but Chris thinks it was a couple of months. So uh, <laughs> I, I was on his couch for a while that I found a job in San Francisco. Oh, that's awesome. When did you guys uh, go to Chico state? What what year did you graduate? I was uh, 08 and I was 09. Cool. Was I did a victory lap though. I should have been 08, but I, I wanted to make sure I wanted to leave. Oh, nice. Yeah. Right on. Was the CEA there at that point or no? Yep. It mm -hmm. was there? Yep. Yeah. Cool. I, it was the first year. Oh, wow. Nice. And you guys were a part of it and you yep. was Peter Strauss there? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Wow. Although I was, uh, I wasn't a part of it as much. Um, I uh, actually started another entrepreneur organization on campus called the Innovation Association, and so that was a, a fun way to find a uh, start a club and meet a bunch of people. Um, Chris was the only uh, member of that one, but it was there too. <laughs> huh. No, I wasn't. It was actually the, the actual stories where I uh, wanted to be networked more with the engineering. Um, kind of side of the college because the, the CA was a bit more focused on just business majors. Okay. And so I started that, had a bunch, met a bunch of uh, engineers and computer scientists through that, and then found my founder through that, who was, was my co-founder at All Student Rentals. So uh -huh. did that have anything um, to do with the innovation lab in town? Uh, it didn't. No, it was more just a group to talk uh, about startups nice. and um, ultimately served my purpose of trying to meet other people that were, you know, uh, engineers. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. We, uh, same thing here. Co-founders met at Chico state. We were a part of a startup called soul ID. It was a social network fraction adventure sports. Um, one of the other co-founders presented it to Peter Strauss and he shot it down. Yeah. So it was the down. worst idea I've ever heard in my life. Um, it wasn't making any money and yeah. it really never made any money. So yeah. Kind of right. Yeah. From <laughs> but, early uh, days on, but, um, we loved, I think Chico state, uh, curious on your guys' thoughts on Chico state, the business program, I know it gets, there's some kind of bad rap around Chico, and that's, that was a while ago, but curious to hear your guys' thoughts on Chico State's business program and how you think it helped you guys will come together, but also propel uh, Sendoso where it is today. Yeah, I mean, I call Chico a, a social institution because it's, it's one of those things where like everybody you meet there and you meet a lot of people you see throughout your yeah. career. And whenever you come across somebody who went to Chico, you have a bond immediately, which is pretty awesome in like the, the business world of being able to connect yeah. like that fast. The business program was amazing. I, I think for me, like it taught you real world skills, I think is a good way to put it, where it, it wasn't like most on like like super large case studies, like here's super hypotheticals, but we did like I was an entrepreneurship major and we did a uh, my senior year. We took like a wine bar in downtown and we like wrote a business plan for it. And like it was way too in depth. And when we started Sendoso, we didn't do a massive business plan. But like we did one for this wine bar. And it was kind of cool because we got really in the weeds. I looked at balance sheets, try to figure out like how things worked. And then probably my other one was like my accounting teacher was like the CFO of Sierra Nevada. And like, that was awesome because he used to bring yeah, in like actual yeah. like case studies that he was going through. So you saw, you saw more real world stuff, which I think was important when you kind of really get into the mix of things. Yeah. I loved some of the teachers like Tim Hines, David Ron. Mm -hmm. Um, so some of those teachers were really inspirational. Um, but I would say the other thing is, uh, I think they've got like a good sales, uh, certificate program. They've, so mm -hmm. they, um, they really took, uh, embraced the fact that a lot of great salespeople come out of Chico and invested in a good sales program too, which I mm -hmm. think is uh, a good mm -hmm. strategy. Absolutely. So true. Yeah. I think Chico, <laughs> one of the great things about it is they kind of just 
they don't like force feed you stuff. They really force, they really help you figure things out on your own. Mm -hmm. yep. Especially with the entrepreneurship program. Cause that's what I did too. And obviously Peter Strauss, he kind of said the hell with any kind of agenda and just kind of started talking about whatever he needed to. And at the end of the, at the end of the class, you had a business plan, which either ripped apart or loved it. So exactly. <laughs> Strauss was great. Yeah. Was I had him too. Yeah. Yeah. Wish we're actually going to get to see him this weekend. Yeah. We're going to a wedding and he's going to be there. So we're yeah. pretty stoked to have a drink. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. Where was your guys' spot in Chico? Where was like the, the, the go-to spot? Curious. I was I was a Riley's person. I I I, I, I lived a, I lived a block away, so I I I mean like going there and like that was that was where I would usually go. I know the, I I know the good answer is the Bear because it's right there, but like I went to Riley's. I think I my, I was more of the Bear. Yeah. Okay. Right. Or like uh, I remember that was like La Salle's was pretty fun, but I don't think that exists anymore. No, it's like it a does. high end restaurant now. It's completely completely changed. It's really good. Whole new place. Yeah, it is really good. But yeah, there was a lot of uh, like stabbings I think that happened there. So I think they shut <laughs> like it down. The sketch part of come back and yeah, eighties yeah. night was a lot of fun though. Yeah. Oh man. <clears throat> well, cool. So tell us about Sundoso. I know people are eager to hear about that. Um, what was the problem? Yeah. How'd you guys what find the, the problem? problem? And then yeah. you're like, oh, exactly. boom, solution. How did that happen? Yeah, I could chime in there. So uh, really, the we were both in sales. So after Chico, I can kind of give you a little bit more of the story. Yeah. Uh, we we uh, I, My company sold to a company in San Francisco. That moved me into the city. Brad moved into the city. And we both went into sales roles thereafter. So there was probably about eight years of being account executives um, at various software companies. And so, you know, we were really in the weeds uh, being sales reps, you know, uh, prospecting full cycle sales. And Really, what we saw is that email automation was, you know, uh, really taking over. It was easy to send a million gazillion emails out, and so we wanted to do something a bit more creative and, and crafty to break through that noise. And and one of those tactics that uh, we got started with was sending out Starbucks gift cards um, as a way of like, hey, let's chat, or buy coffee on me, um, or hey, like looking forward to our meeting later. Here's coffee. And so really started with the idea of just sending out some coffee cards and that, you know, while we were brainstorming over some beers said, Hey, what if there was an easier way to do that? And we came up with the concept of coffeesender.com. And so that mm. was um, something that we could uh, put our minds around. It was a concept that we could in theory, build a Salesforce app. Um, we ended up finding an engineer through Upwork that was about five grand and built our first version of the company. Very cool. Um, and so it all started with coffee. Um, and that was the, the first problem. Um, we realized that it wasn't going to be a huge business, though. Like, uh, yeah, we did. I, I think the cool thing about coffee, too, is like as we were building that, I think a fun story is we were sending out Starbucks gift cards and we quickly learned that we didn't have an agreement with Starbucks gift card, like with, with oh. Starbucks at all. So like they called us, they're like, why are you guys spending like $60,000 a month on buying these gift cards from our site? <laughs> like, no, like here's a cease and desist letter, like get out of here. And so I think this is wow. a probably a good skill from Chico you learned is we're like, well, we're going to pitch them on why they need to work with us. So we yeah. sat down one night and emailed everybody at Starbucks. Like, this is why you want to work with coffee center. They got back to us. We flew up there and we pitched them on this meeting. And this is my favorite story. We had like this five hour long meeting. It was Chris and I, uh, and like 
10, like in my head, I want to say it was like a hundred Starbucks executives. <laughs> and so like, and like, and like we're in this meeting and we're pitching them on the concept. And at Starbucks, they told us that what you're supposed to do is like every 15 minutes, they bring like, they, they would bring you like another coffee to taste. They'd be like, Hey, like, here's like another roast to try in the middle of your meeting. But no one would drink it. Chris and I would, of course, drink it if like, we had to. So yeah. five hour long meeting, we must have had like <laughs> 10 or 12 cups of coffee and we were wired and we made it through and they're like, I, I think it was like, it was like some weird Starbucks gauntlet thing that like we somehow got through, but they were like, cool, you guys can go work on it. And so to this day, the reason we're able to like use that brand like on our site is because of that meeting we had where they basically wow. punished us for five hours. But anyways, getting back to the store, as Chris was saying, coffee center was kind of taken off pretty fast. Like we had a, like all of our sales buddies were using it. Uh, CX was using it, but we needed to figure out ways to send other things than just coffee, which is sort of like the aha moment for us. Yeah. So while we were uh, working on Coffee Center too, we were we had uh, full time sales jobs in the beginning. So this yeah. was a nights and weekends project, um, but it was taking off so much, you know, hundreds of thousands in revenue that Braden was able to quit his job to to jump in full time. And then a, a couple of months later, I quit my jump job to jump in full time. It was it was quit the job because it, I was, we were making more on coffee yeah. center that we did like with the other company at the time. It was like, it was time to jump in and do this yeah. whole time. I, I called Chris. I was like, Hey, you know, this thing we've been going around on like meeting at four in the morning. I was like, well, it's like, we're doing it, man. Like, it's like, this is, we're, we're, we're going to see where we can take it. That's cool. Yeah. We used to meet at like 5.00 AM to work for a couple hours before our real job. And then we'd work mm -hmm. at, you know, 10 PM for a couple hours after the real job. Love it. It, it was good hustle. Um, but it felt so nice when we quit and we could just go full time. And th that's really when Sendoso was born and really, really was born out of, um, the learnings from coffee sender and, and having the confidence that that was going strong, but we needed to send more stuff learnings from being in sales and seeing that, you know, sending out corporate gifts and swag mm -hmm. and handwritten notes was also something that was working well, but it was super manual. And so uh, it was kind of that uh, second aha moment where I was like, well, it's so easy to click a button and send a Starbucks card, but I'm writing notes and like sending boxes of stuff. Like, wouldn't it be awesome to just click a button and send that stuff? And that's where we decided, hey, let's build Sendoso. And then we kind of then took, you know, nine months to ultimately build out warehousing infrastructure and a new software platform um, and launched our first warehouse um, in 2017. Wow. Um and um, have since scaled up from there. So what? I think I think Braden's got something going on in the background. Braden was at like an airport or something. It's like someone drilling on my wall. Of course, why not? Uh, what was I saying? Oh, uh, so tell us exactly, like the listeners, what is Sendoso? Like, what's the elevator pitch? Yes. So we're a we're a sending platform that makes it easy for other companies to send out. Uh, corporate gifts, direct mail, company swag, um, all integrated in through, you know, Salesforce, HubSpot, Salesloft Outreach. So you can click a button or set up an automation. Uh, we have warehouses around the world where we're packing boxes, writing handwritten notes, um, sending things out. Um, so it really uh, makes it easy to, you know, set, you can send t-shirts, you can send wine, right. you can send chocolates, you name it, we can send it. So tell us a little bit about the infrastructure. Why so many warehouses? So I'm guessing they're like regional or how does that work? Yeah. So we've got a huge warehouse um, in Phoenix, Arizona. It's our largest domestic one we've got in California, Canada, Europe, and Asia. Um, and so it's part of the strategy just for, for localizing mm. and shipping in those regions too. Yeah. Very cool. Makes sense. That is really cool. Um, that's 
phenomenal. We uh, <clears throat> have been talking, that's really been wrapped on our minds. And I know I shared this with Brad on our kind of pre-chat, but thinking about retention, client retention, and how to keep that bucket full and keep that bucket churning versus it kind of leaking out with clients and really started to think about like thank you cards and different things that can just lap clients in. We get a lot of gifts, like during the holidays, we get shipped boxes of wine, boxes of chocolates and stuff. So we're kind of flipping the table. And uh, what you guys do fits exactly what we were looking for yeah. from a retention standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's all about building the relationship, right? And like, if you can't see each other face to face from the beauty of working from home, hence the drilling yep. on my wall two seconds ago, like you can't see people face to face and yeah. being able to send something, being able to use the power of reciprocity, being able to actually build a relationship is is a huge deal. And we do a lot of that across B2B orgs. We do a lot of that around like your employees. You can send stuff to as well. So that's been kind right. of cool to see that grow out. Do you guys have some like stats behind retention on that? Like how it, or like good case studies that companies came back and said like we we do yeah we i think on our website we probably have 50 or more case studies wow. on exactly what was sent what was the <clears throat> mechanism of how they sent it so it was the integration uh who they were sending to and what were the results so we love to tout examples specifically and share those uh, so that people can get real world examples of things that work well. Yeah. I think there's use cases, right? Like if you're using it top of funnel for sales, like trying to get meetings, like there's like things you're just like e-gifts you're sending or boxes you're sending. If you're, if you're a customer already mm -hmm. and like someone has a kid or they like something exciting happens, like they buy a house, like the bottles of champagne that you can send or like, like there's life, but like every time you interact with a customer you might have, there's always a good reason you might right. want to send something after that call or before that call. And that just puts the relationship on a whole nother level. Phenomenal. That's very cool. Absolutely love it. So you guys are in the journey. You've got a, a working model. You see it start to work. Tell us about the fundraising and that you guys went through in terms of raising your, your like investment. The, the growth with employees and all that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, so Chris was building Sendoso. I was still selling Coffee Center, trying to get revenue to actually use that to pay our engineers we had. And from there, we were like, let's just build like a lifestyle business, one that we can always just you know work from anywhere. Quickly, we're like, we'll raise a little money to see how, like the, to use that money to kind of scale. And we started talking to different VC houses around like, hey, like how can we raise a little bit, a little bit of cash, like a, like a seed round. Chris and I both being uh, sales folks, it was, it was their interesting meetings. Cause we'd go there and be like, hey, like, you know, they'd be like, who's your engineer? Like, who's your product person? We're like, well, Chris does a good job there, but a lot of that's in Lahore, Pakistan. They're like, oh, well, that's not for us then. But we were able to point to, we have a lot of revenue and we're growing really fast and we have like product market fit immediately. And so that really helped out early conversations or folks would be like, all right, like this is something I'm very interested in investing in. The first meeting I want to say we had was, was it Storm, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we really got introduced to one of our first investors and that was the first one we went with. Um, I, I think part of that when Braden touted that is we did focus more on building traction and kind of bootstrapping to the, as much as we could, uh, so that we had that traction so that we could go to VCs and say, Hey, we, you know, we have customers. So when we went and raised our seed round of 2 million, we already had about 600,000 in SaaS ARR. Um, and so that was, you know, oh, we weren't just, you know, saying, Hey, this is an idea. We think we can do this. We are like, Hey, we already built this. We've already got a ton of customers. This is working. Um, and then when we, you know, a year after that, we had around 5 million in, in SAS ARR and, and, you know, our series A came in at about 14 million. And so that was a little bit easier too. So, and then a year after that, another 40 million. So 
long story short, I think in the early days, instead of going straight to VCs, we said, hey, let's hustle as hard as we can and get and get as close to, you know, bootstrapped as possible. Uh, and that paid off because our traction story was, you know, right. you, you couldn't you know, stop. We were also in a position like the first probably five or six months, like Chris and I didn't take any money from the company. It was, we paid each other in Starbucks gift cards. It was, Hey, like let's, let's make this thing work first. And I think we both talked a lot about like what the end date was, like what was like the, Hey, like if we get to this date and like, we're not able to make salary from the company that like, we should go get jobs, man, cause this is actually going to work. And so like, we had a lot of those early conversations as co-founders on like, how are you doing? Like when, like, like financially, is that okay? I think those are being transparent at the, start really helped as well because i think we both kind of knew where the other person was when it comes to that and doing well in sales before other startups kind of helped us have a window of making this thing work i think there's about a year probably of about of bootstrapping before we yeah. ended up going and raising vc money once we had vc money it was a different story uh because we could then uh you know we, we had a path to more revenue and then it just kind of snowballed but that first kind of year and a half was uh, more challenging absolutely yeah. I, I mean, we could jump into the whole co-founding thing. I think transparency is a hundred percent number one thing. And it sounds exactly yeah. like what we did. Mm -hmm. We just bootstrapped for like a year. Didn't pay ourselves anything. I was picking him up from work and he was like on a phone call and he would come and do a shoot with me real quick. And then I'd drop him back off. And like, it was just like pure, yeah. just like the, just the hustle of, okay, like how can we sneak in a shoot mornings, real quick? Nights. Mornings, nights. And then finally I jumped on full time for like know, mm -hmm. four or five months yeah. until he was wrapping stuff up. And then yeah. they could come yeah. on. We could just barely get by just enough on, on both of our salaries. Be like, okay, yeah. we can kind of pay our bills. We're going to do some side stuff to kind of figure it out. But we knew we're like, we have to go full time. Otherwise it's just not going to work. Exactly. Got to commit and you got to like really, really trust the idea and know that there is some traction, but if you take more, if you have more time, that traction will turn into, you know, hopefully success. I, I think like it's important. Like, I mean, I feel like that's all Chris and I talked about. And I still, it's all to really talk about. Like when you're constantly pitching it to buddies, to friends, to whoever, like at bars, like in Ubers. And like, that was, that was one of those things where it starts to, mm -hmm. it, it just becomes, it's blended into your life. And that's important to get to that point because you believe in the concept. I'd say another thing we did too in the early days um, was we did give ourselves a good work-life balance. And that was something that Braden and I both uh, decided on early too, is that, hey, we're still going to take vacations. We liked traveling, um, which I think in some early days, you just work 20 hour days and you're like, that's the only thing I can do. But mm -hmm. Braden and I would like take turns, you know, go on trips. And that was something that we knew this was not a sprint. This was going to be a, you know, could be a 10 year marathon. Right. Um, and so let's make sure our, you know, our wives are, you know, happy. Let's, our families are happy. Our, you know, we're personally, you know, still getting out there. And so that was something that um, we actually instill in our current company culture. Now we have, you know, 450 people or so where we still say, you know, get out, go to, on vacation, have fun. Um, and so that was something that came from the very early days. Yeah, I mean, we also, we were very frugal when it came to the happy hours Chris and I would have when it was just him and I would be at Chipotle. He'd go there, get beers for four bucks, you know, chips and salsa for four bucks. <laughs> so on point. Oh, man. We used to, we were like trading work with breweries and bars. So we would nice. like work with them so we could get free beer. <laughs> like do whatever we could to like penny pinch and save a dollar. Yeah. And luckily we're service based. So it's easy just to trade, you know, yeah. hey, we'll do a photo shoot for you. Give us free beer for the next few months or something. <laughs> so yeah. very Chico ass. Such a Chico move. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, man. we used to share a desk probably for the first six months 
once we had one desk between the two of us and we would just sit on either side of it. And then we ended up also yeah. one of Braden's friends who had another company. We just squatted in their office um, for a long time, actually, even when we had about probably, know, probably 50, too long. Yeah. Probably about 20 employees. <laughs> we were still in there uh, without uh, paying rent. Yeah. We um, were like, we were like triple their size and they were like, it's time you guys. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we're like, but, but you invested all in you full, yeah. all your guys' people. Yeah. Eating all our food. Um, so is everybody, I mean, besides the warehouse, warehouse workers are, or is it a remote based company or um, did you guys just recently go remote? How does how did that work? Uh, no, we've got uh, headquarters around the world. We've got uh, San Francisco, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, office in Lohar, Pakistan. We just opened up uh, Dublin, Ireland. Um, oh, and then we do have people remote across the U.S. Um, obviously, during COVID, everyone uh, went remote. Uh, and then we'll probably go back to more of a hybrid uh, kind of schedule where people can come back into the office if they want for some of the nice. some of the week. Yeah. Our goal is to, I, I think like with sales, with CX, I think this makes sense to have a couple of days in person, I think is what we're going to go back to. I think the people that have, have moved away and all that sort of jazz, I think that they are probably going to stay put, but it's, I think it's important to at least see face to face a couple times a year. At least. Totally. Totally agree. So um, <clears throat> what do you guys think from uh, kind of winding back to the topic, which is kind of the power of a co-founder, what would you guys each each individually answer this? Uh, what would you think is the most important part of having a co-founder, and why why did you select having a co-founder versus kind of doing your own thing? For me, I it was definitely pushing each other into doing this. I think like there was there was a lot of concepts I would say that I came across as you know graduating with a business degree. And Chris and I have same buddies. We always would have beers and talk about things that were cool and creative. But for me, it was like when I made the jump, like, hey, we're doing this full time. And Chris had the idea of Coffee Sender. Like, I was like, this is amazing. Like, you've already built it. Like, I can sell this to, hey, we're doing Sendoso now to, hey, like, we're going to raise some money now to, hey, like, I think that we got to go this different direction. So for me, it's kind of the bouncing off of pushing one another into things where even when you feel uncomfortable, you're like, oh, like, crap, like, I'm not going to make any more salary anymore like i'm gonna go do this like right. Braden jumped and like i gotta figure this out and figure out like how i'm gonna jump or hey chris is this really cool concept and like he's been working on it all weekend like what can i add to it that's gonna also like contribute as well so i would say like holding each other accountable kind of came naturally to chris and i where it was one of those things where i trusted him because i knew him for a long time and even when and i knew that chris wouldn't take four days off a week and then you know go travel and not come back so i think like the one pushing each other to accountability and three kind of having trust i think were important for me and that's kind of why i chose to have a co-founder yeah i'd say for me uh, one is the sounding board i think there's a million ideas that go through your head in the early days do you do you do this do you do that you have so limited time with one person or a couple people that you know you have to really uh, make the right decisions. And, you know, sometimes you can have decision paralysis. I think if you're a solo founder where you're like, okay, what do I do here? Who do I talk to? I'm, you know, I'm so far in this rabbit hole as a founder. Like, mm -hmm. no, so I think with Braden, we were both in that rabbit hole. And so we were able to kind of, uh, you know, be a sounding board and it, it was easier to make decisions. Um, so I think that was important. Um, and then I think the other one is just kind of motivation. We both, you know, there's highs and lows and roller coaster rides, but, and so if you're on it by yourself, I think there's scenarios where you might just want to jump off the roller coaster and quit. But, you know, with, with Braden, it was really like, okay, let's keep going. Let's do this. Like, let's celebrate the small wins. Let's build momentum. And so I think the motivation also really helped. Yeah. I mean, there's been many times where I've had beers with Chris over like a bad day. And you're just like, mm -hmm. that sucked. And like, have, like being able to like relate 
with somebody, I think was is anyway. If you're solo, it'd be a very different experience. Totally. Yeah, no one wants to do the journey alone. I think it's all about checks and balances too. You know, making mm-hmm. sure everybody's in the right and level area. You're kind of working for free in the early days too, at least if you're kind of maybe a first time founders too, that don't have a major track record that could just get a gazillion VC dollars day zero. Yeah. So it also helped that we could divide and conquer. We basically had two people that could work for free and divide up the, the, the duties. Mm-hmm. And so that was also super helpful because in essence, we could do twice as much um, right. than just a single co-founder or a single founder. And I think it's important. I mean, like, like for your listeners, I mean, it is a relationship. Like, there's like the people yeah. I call the most on my phone. Like, it's my wife, then mm-hmm. my mom, and then Chris. And like, there's like the three people that I talk to most most often. Yeah. And I think that like that's in, in the early days it was even more. I mean, and then your like your families become friends with like their families, and so like yep. our, our. So I think it's really important to keep in mind that you need to like the person. I guess yeah. to go to think about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're I still like, don't like Chris, but I'm 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 working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, we're, we're 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 in the same boat. Yeah. We're, we're lucky enough to have, you know, if you have a co-founder, you need to be able to have the respect for them too as an individual. And we're lucky enough to be best friends as well. Um, I think that can be a very sticky situation with some with a lot of different uh, co-founders. But I think if you have that level-headed respect and like yeah. debate and not argue, I think mm-hmm. is. Like, huge and i think that's where a lot of problems happen with co-founders is they just don't have the respect they're power heads and they think you know my way or the highway Mm -hmm. and i think when you when you when you already have the relationship with somebody and then you move into a a business world with them it's it's a lot different than hey we're both business people let's grab some coffee and see if this business will work out between the both of us Mm because you don't know who they are how they it's like a marriage you don't know how it's going to be when you move in with the individual unless you've kind of already built the relationship with them over time yeah what i'd say one other one other interesting dynamic. So Braden and I both had sales backgrounds. We were both, you know, we, we have a very similar personality too, and similar, uh, you know, path to where we got. Um, so one of the things that I think we got lucky on was just we didn't have as much complementary skill sets per se. Definitely. You know, it's like I wasn't like an engineering major, and he was a business major, and we just were right. able to divide and conquer. Um, we also very much agreed on a lot of the same things. Um, and so we realized that actually early on that we were both had similar skill sets. We both had, you know, similar personalities. And so, you know, within our f- very early days, we ended up hiring a COO who was kind of our third co-founder almost, I would say. Um, Absolutely. And, sh- and she joined, um, you know, at the time we paid her like four times as much as us because she was, you know, legit and had a great background, great experience, but we needed her dynamic to come in with, she had a, a, a finance background, a big, big company background and, you know, just a different perspective, a different set of skills. Uh, and that uh, ended up being one of the best decisions we ever made because it really allowed for us to, again, divide and conquer more, but also have different perspectives um, as we occasionally would would have the same exact perspective. And then, you know, we wouldn't have as much, right. you know, uh, you know, differencing of opinions. So. Yeah. That was really important for us mm-hmm. to get her. Like that, that, that was huge. Cause like Chris and I were both, we'd someone try to sell a software. We're like, yeah, that's, that's cool. <laughs> and she was like, you don't have budget for it. We're like, okay. So like, it was, it was awesome. And she, she was, she's definitely a third co-founder. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Recently we've, we've, um, I think we've known it, but we've seen the data to prove it, but we've done a lot of like deep personality tests along with us and our other business partner, but our advisor in Austin put us through this really deep, I mean, two, two day, mm-hmm deep camp. dive boot camp into personalities on who we are what are like the stressors what are the motivators behind 
um, us, how do we act? And that has helped, I think, a lot in terms of the direction. And okay, this is kind of a, like we're going to play Kyle in this role. One, because maybe his personality relates a little bit more to that individual that, or the prospect we're trying to get. Or maybe it's, you know, this is more of like a visionary like type of, type of move that is kind of more Kyle's realm. Um, so we've been able to divide tasks a little bit like that. And I think going backwards or, or for listeners too that are looking to seek out a co-founder, I think doing these tests, almost like interviewing that person mm-hmm. would be something to go back and do. Not saying we, we did it wrong because we did it. We were lucky and we got it right. But I think a lot of people could take that information Absolutely. and almost interview that person based on personality to see Behavioral those complementary tests, skills. Behavioral assessments. Do you have you guys on Trimetrics? Mm. I haven't heard of that now. No. It's like a... $2,500 test. Our, our advisor luckily is one of the proctors. And so he was able to get us in there to do it. But yeah. uh, it's a really intense, pops out like 70 pages worth of reports on who that individual is. And then it breaks up who you are at work and who you are at home and how you how think your behaviors change when you go into the office because you have others you can rely on to pick up. And it's really cool. Trimetric EQ, I think is what it's called. Yeah. This this might be a Chico thing, but I think that like going out and spending a couple hours in the bar with somebody and seeing what they're like after six drinks is like probably one of the best tests of all time. Because if, if I don't like you after six drinks, then like it's probably it's not going to work out. Like when we're arguing over some sort of concept in, in business, right? I think like absolutely like, like that was that was a huge one. For, I think for me, totally. I think that comes back to the whole the benefit of Chico. I think it's real world experience, and you actually socialize and you you Learning, learn how to interact. Yeah. I think is like one different. of the most important skills that a lot of schools don't preach in the business programs. So. Yeah, I also say it, you know it built a lot of uh, social confidence too. Yes. and I think that confidence is something that was key for us too. I mean, we went into sales, and that just even more boosted our ego and confidence. But um, then becoming founders, you know, it was like you know, nothing could stop us. We can right. sell this to anybody, and we just you know that gave us. An, uh, a head start over maybe yeah. someone that's a little bit more introvert and cool. you know timid and you know like build something cool but like can't tell the world about it mm-hmm. that's awesome well uh as we wrap up here we'd like to ask our guests um each individually for both you guys um what is one thing that you'd like to leave like a legacy you'd like to leave or one thing you'd like to leave for the listeners Uh, I think one thing for the listeners I'd leave is like, I, I love networking with people. I love uh, talking with people. So like my email is Chris K R I S at Sendoso.com um, or find me on LinkedIn and I'm happy to, you know, chat. If you got a startup and you got some questions, this and that I'm happy to share our, my journey from, you know, zero to almost 500 employees and along the way. And so I'll leave that as a listener takeaway. Awesome. Yeah, I I think to add to that, also hello at Sendoso goes just to Chris and I as well. So just like we like we're not sure why, but it still does and in, in, internally. So like always feel free to to email us. I think my mine is if you have a concept or an idea or something that you want to chase, like to to go for it. You don't need to jump in full time right away. Like you like start testing it out, build sort of a hey, like this is sort of working, and mm-hmm. like work on it at nights, work on it in the mornings and once it starts to grow then go full-time and then like they kind of chase it i i would say i meet so many people that are like oh yeah i had a concept or an idea that like i wanted to do but i didn't actually do it so mm-hmm. i would say to go for it like there's so many resources out there that you can use like early on chris and i would need help on something and we'd just go to linkedin find somebody who'd done it before re- reach out and say hey here's what i'm doing here's what i'm trying to accomplish like can i get 15 minutes of your time to like ask you questions and nine times out of 10, they'd get back and be like, absolutely. 
So like whatever you're trying to do, whatever your concept is, if you're looking for guidance help, like most folks on LinkedIn, if you reach out the right way, would be willing to give you 15 minutes to point you in the right direction. Absolutely. It's a very good tip. It is a very good tip. I mean, it's true. If, I mean, anytime, like you just, you guys just gave out, yeah. hey, hit me up. I think most people would be like 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. That's really cool. Buy them a cup of coffee, get 15 minutes worth of their time. Right <laughs> exactly. <there>. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what a great show. Yeah. That was awesome, guys. Thank you so much for being a part of the Biz Bros podcast. Excited to share this with uh, with the audience. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Think, uh, if they want to find more about Sendoso, just go to Sendoso.com. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Perfect. Or or email us too, and we can point in the right direction. Awesome. Uh-huh. Well, thanks, Chris and Braden. We appreciate you guys' time. Um, we're going to close this out, but uh, you know, we really look forward to hopefully having another conversation soon. Man. There it is, thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the Biz Bros podcast. Once again, just Google Biz Bros. We'll pop up. Go yep. ahead and subscribe. Follow us on all the different social platforms, and we look forward to having another episode, chatting and listening and talking to you guys real soon. See you guys.